In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We're continuing our sermon series, the longest sermon series title we've ever had, One Building, One Community, Transformed by Grace, and this is number three out of four. So we have the last one next week, and then we have our Commitment Sunday the week after this. So at its heart, this is a stewardship, this is a stewardship series, and we've kind of come around the long way to that. I'll talk about that in just a second, but we have some guests here, so just to get you up to speed, about five years ago, we started looking for land. We could not find land that we liked or it was really expensive if we did like it. Instead, we found land we do like that still was really expensive. So this was a big deal for us. We found a spot downtown and so excited. Did anyone go to the star lighting yesterday? Did anyone park in the church parking lot? (laughs) Yeah, we put a cone up there so it's about as elitist as you could get. Like you're just driving in and then like cars are doing circles trying to find a spot and I just went right by the cone. That's our spot. So next year, we're talking about things we could do. The star lighting, about 25,000 people go downtown. It's a really cool event if you haven't been down there, but it, it's, uh, it's always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Next year, I think we're going to host our own event, so you should come park at our parking lot. You can feel super elite and snobby. Invite your friends, and we'll have hot cocoa. You can warm up, and you can even see the star light up right from church. Uh, it, it'll be cool, and the church should be done. Uh, our application, I thought, was going to go in on uh, Thursday, but it, it's all in, but we'll find out on Tuesday whether they give us the construction loan. They don't see any hiccups as far as I can tell, and we're just trying to work out the grant language right now. So that's, that's that, and uh, we found it, and we, this is a metaphor. If you've seen the building, this, you'll understand the metaphor. There is one building, and uh, we're hoping that just as Christ transformed each of us through the gospel, we're going to transform this building, and then that's going to be a picture about how we transform a community the only way you can, which is the gospel. So that's kind of where this is kind of all going. And this is like the sneakiest stewardship uh, sermon series ever, because I haven't talked a whole lot about money. Has anyone realized this? You're like, wait a second, what's going on? So uh, this is, does anyone recognize that this is actually the property? It's way nicer now. It's way nicer now. Um, but there's a trans, what they do? They did alignments in this pit, and the pit was filled with like 20 years of hydraulic fluid and gross things like that, and we cleaned it all out, and we had to fill it up. And I had to find out how you fill this pit up. And so I reached out to our engineer, or the architect, he sends it to our archi- uh, the structural engineer named Matt. And, this, and if you've got a name like structural engineer, this, this is going to be it. So I said, hey, what, do we use sand or do we use structural fill? Like, that's pretty simple, right? And then how, how big are the lifts are supposed to be, which just means, like, how, how much do you have to compact? There's, like, a week goes by. I'm like, I've got to order this material. And he writes back. He's like, well, I've got to talk to my geotech engineer. I'm like, what? Like, we're just filling a pit with sand or dirt. Like, this doesn't seem that technical. And, like, he, he wouldn't respond and so finally, I just talked to my friend, who's an engineer, not in the same field, but we said, hey, what are we going to do here? And so we ordered the stuff, we packed it down, and he showed up at the property, the engineer, and he looks at it, and he starts telling me about overcompaction and expansion and all this other stuff. And I just said, Matt, are we good? We did six-inch lifts with structural fill. We used a plate compactor. He's like, yeah, you're fine. But then he starts talking about, like, that's enough. Uncle, uncle, uncle. You know, like, I do not want to hear this. Has this ever happened to you? Um, it's the person that wants to listen to all that stuff is the same one who wants to watch C-SPAN. Anyone here watches C-SPAN? <laughs> no one watches C-SPAN. In fact, there was a cable, there was a cable company that when they, uh, people didn't pay their bill, they would shut off all channels and make, not, not just shut them all off, because that would be okay, you wouldn't miss it. They made all the channels C-SPAN. And their retention rates like, went through the roof because people are like, oh, this is worse. This is like circus peanuts. It's worse than no candy. If I got to watch C-SPAN, C-SPAN. Is there seriously two C-SPANs? C-SPAN 2? The Ocho? It gets, what, what are they even talking about that? that like community court? So anyway, I can't imagine. I can't, I've watched it for like all of eight seconds. That's too much detail, too much detail. So it, 
you're like, what's it have to do with what we're talking about? You can talk about your money, and you can just say, like with Matt, Matt, can you just tell me if this fill is enough because I want to get on with my life? Like, I honestly don't care about all the details of filling this pit. I don't. Just, are we good? Good. Let's move on. And you can do that with God's money. And I could give you the details that God says. I could give you the end game and the list because the Bible talks that way. The Bible says, here's expectation. God expects you to give you, give him your money. Old Testament, he had very specific rules. He had like a list for the Old Testament people. You give 10% of here, plus you take care of your family, plus you take care of the poor because there was no government to do that. Plus he said there's gifts above that, and I've told you before, that gets into the 20% range of what they give. I could give you that list, and, and some people maybe are like that. Just tell me how much I'm supposed to give. There's a different way around it because when you think about your relationship with God, is it more like a boss or is it more like a, a more... A, lack of a better word, intimate relationship like with your spouse or close friend or family member. It, it, if you look at it like a boss, and let me, let me talk about that, your boss, you want very distinct rules. and You want your boss to give you the end game, right? You want your boss to say, here's what I expect from you. Tell me, just tell me what I got to do so I can move on with my life, right? This is what you want from your boss. This is what you want from your teacher. It'd be way weird if your boss went around this a whole different other way. You say, boss, give me a list. This is what I want. What if your boss sat down one day in the office and said, I want you to go on the journey of discovery to determine and figure out what, I, what makes me happy. If this was Movember, the guy would get a lawsuit, right? Like this is not, this is the creepiest thing a boss could ever say to you. I do not want to go on a journey of discovery to figure out what you want. Tell me what you want. It's a little bit different though with your spouse. Like, my wife could give me a list of things that would make her happy. Like, what I should do when I get home. Like, how do, when, when I should be home. She could give me all this list of stuff, but it's a little bit inauthentic, don't you think? If, you, if your wife or your husband gave you a list and you're like, okay, smile, uh, hold hands, intertwined fingers, but not too long because sweaty hands are gross, okay? And then, like, this it would kind of lose some of the effect. You want to go through a process, and, and there's, a, there's a sense of authenticity, and there's kind of a beauty in discovering what makes the person you love happy. You, you go through this process. And that takes time. It takes years. And a guy named Willard Harley tried to write down all these things that make people happy. And women are very distinctly said, uh, honesty. So if you're a woman, Willard Harley, who's a doctor, said this is what women want. They want honesty. They want stability. They want someone who can financially support them. So you just think in your head, is that romance? Those are the four. There's a fifth one. Obviously, I'm a great husband. I can't remember the fifth one. <laughs> remember things. That was probably number five. Uh, so that's it. And, and guys, I mean, number one is as stereotypical as you get. So we'll just jump to number two and what they're looking for. But they also desire uh, an attractive spouse, if you didn't know that. This is according to Willard Harley, someone who does stuff with them. And then the, the most important one, I think, is a spouse that looks up to them and the sense of admiration. There's a sense that your wife, for me, my wife is proud of what I do and the decisions I make. That's a huge deal to me. I could say I'm independent, it doesn't matter, but if my wife would roll her eyes when I tell her some idea I have, I would just be like crushed. You know, like she just holds me like that with a little egg in her hand. So where do we get all this? The strangest thing is if she would write a list or if God would write a list, here's my expectations, you can go through this whole journey, which, which we've been trying to do during these weeks, and the list is the same. The list is the same. It's not like, so, but God ultimately doesn't want you just to follow the list to say, God, I want to move on with my life. When it comes to your money and your stuff, God says this, I want your heart. 
and I want you to go through the transformation and appreciation to discover what brings me joy. And it, I think we come to the same result. Over time, you say, you know what, I, God has given me everything. Everything is from the Lord, so I want to give this to him. And over time, that transforms. And if you would have this hidden list and you'd open it up, you'd say, God, I am giving a percentage of my income to you. I'm trying to help the poor. I'm trying to help my family. But one comes through a journey, and one is just, God, help me get on with my life. That's why this sermon series is um, barely talking about money, but we'll get to it. So to do that today, I think I wanted to talk about the, the common table prayer. It's known as the common table prayer. And how many of you are familiar with this prayer? Okay, good. Not super common table prayer, just relatively common prayer. If you have Lutheran background, this is kind of a Lutheran thing. So if you have friends that are Presbyterian or something, you're like, let's join in the common table prayer. And they're going like, I don't know what you're doing. Right? You, can't, you can't do that. But if you have a Lutheran background, a lot of people are familiar with this. From the 1700s, the Moravians wrote this prayer, and then it gets published. And it has different, different things for the last line, but it depends how you do it. So my friend... He would say, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. And if you're at a guest house, you just look around to see what am I supposed to be doing right now, right? right. Amen or, or no amen. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then, so my family was a no amen family. His family would say amen and then eat and then finish it. How many of you are the split family? Is there any split families here? Split, so uh, that's pretty intense. We were, uh, if you would draw a graph for how fast we would say this prayer, the better the food the faster the prayer was said, right? That's how it works, right? It's not, it's not, we should savor it and just be like, Lord, we're going to ask you something. No, but if the food is really good and it's like you can smell it, it got really fast, so how fast can you say this prayer? Come with Jesus, your guests, and let these gifts be with you. We'll get thanks to the Lord for He's good for mercy and You know, like that's how we would do it, and we'd just dive into the pizza. We'd be so excited, like, hey, say your prayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if it's, and then you just have to determine the appropriate amount of time. You have to keep your eyes closed if you pray to yourselves, right? When you're a kid, they're like, just pray to yourselves before you eat. And you're just like, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four. Thousand. Okay, there, I said my prayers, um, kind of. I hope you say your prayers every time. Good. All right, so <laughs> this is kind of how I grew up, and this is a prayer. But if you really think about it, and I just want to cover two bases of it. The bottom is Psalm 139, so that's sometimes added, sometimes not. But I really want to focus on the top two parts and then talk about kind of this journey of what makes God happy. So just think about this. We come to God and we say, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Just think about that for a second. You're saying, God, I want you to be present here. And the reason I want you to think about it is because when you think about just your relationships with people, you have different relationships with people, people you like to have around, but there are people that make you feel small when they're around, not just because of what they do or say or even because they're being mean. Um, I was at the ski hill once, and I don't know where this couple was from, like northern Scandinavia or something. They're like the most beautiful couple I've ever seen in my life. Like the wife was six foot two, and he's like six foot five, and they, I mean, they look like, I, I'm like, where did these people come from? Like, where, what is going on here? They, I, you know, I'm going to hang out over here because they're so beautiful, they made me feel strange, okay? And, and I think that happens in each of your lives. You run into people that are, are so smart, and they're so beautiful, and they're so uh, good at their job that you suddenly start feeling small and small and small. And then what happens if they, that's before you, they even say anything. So in a human's presence that, that is just like you, they're a sinful human being but has, you know, better hair, but I mean, they make you feel small. Now what happens if they actually comment and they say something? And we talked maybe, I think, a little bit about this. It's like our emotions, when I explain it to my kids, are like piano strings. 
and it's no big deal if they hit the things on the edges that I don't care about. Like if you say, uh, pastor's injury prone, some of you have said that, I know who you are. I, don't, I say I'm activity prone, and some turn out better than others. That's how I look at it, so that doesn't bother me because I think that's just, they're just recognizing that I'm an active human being, not that I get hurt all the time. Like, that's fine, like, no big deal, water off the back kind of thing. But what happens when those things get closer and closer to the things and the dialogue you have in your head that you're sensitive about? Like if you have, like I've said, body image issues and someone is hitting that thing, it really hurts. Or if you think you're fat and someone says, uh, and you don't talk about it, and someone's like, man, you look kind of chubby. Thanks. Like it really, or they make a joke about how dumb you are, that you, you're late all the time. If this is something that you beat yourself up about, it becomes more and more painful. And I'll tell you, probably the, one of the worst things I've done to one of my very good friends, and I've never told him this. That's why I'm telling it publicly and recording it, and that's great. Um, so we were in college, and he would always do these self-deprecating jokes about going bald. And we'd all laugh, like, dude, who cares? Like, you're not going bald, whatever. He's like, no, I'm going bald. And this is a phenomenal athlete, super smart, pretty girlfriend, but he'd always be like, yeah, I'm going bald. Like, look, I'm going bald. I'm like, who cares? Like, no one is worrying about this. There's this one time there's a Rogaine ad on, and they said, hey, you can send this package, informational package. I thought, oh, he'll think that's funny. And so like, I, I typed this in, and I sent it in, and he gets it in his dorm room, and I can still picture it because we had the desk, so it's this box. You know, I'm going to lose my spot. And so my nickname, I had a number of nicknames, but one was Rod, so J-Rod is how they did it. He just comes in with this box, and it has like a VHS tape that tells you what year this is, right? And he goes, check that out. I'm like, what's the deal? It's like an information packet for Rogaine. He's like, Rod, who would do this? And like he's like almost tearing up, and I'm like, I'm the worst human of all time. And a good person would have said, I, I did it, but I couldn't. This is 20-some years ago. I could not say out loud that I, because I had no intention to, to do something. This is a person I really care about. I talked to multiple times a week to this day, and I did not have the courage to say, I, I would, all I could say is, I, I don't know. Someone was probably just think, you'd think it's funny because you make all those jokes. He's like, it's not funny. What had happened, I hit, I hit a string that, you know, he joked about it, but I hit a string that really hit home for him. We are asking we're humiliated in front of just human beings. Like we're embarrassed and just in front of other human beings that make more money, that are richer, that are smarter. Think about this prayer. We say, God, come Lord Jesus and be my guest. There's one human being that had this interest to, to run into God and Moses, if you know the whole fiasco. So he does the Ten Commandments and then he's up for 40 days and they're, they're like, he's been up there a month and a half. What do we do here? And then Aaron builds a golden calf, and you know how that story goes. Aaron's like, I just threw this stuff in the fire and out popped this calf. That's literally what he says. And you're like, oh, I don't think that's quite how it went, but that's how he saw it. And Moses was so infuriated, he ground it up and made him drink it and then destroyed the Ten Commandments. But he gets a new set of Ten Commandments. And in the process, he's talking to God, and he says, God, uh, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom, and that's the Lord, all capitals. I will have compassion, but he said, you cannot see my face. And you know how this ends? For no one may see me and live. Just think about your prayer. God, we want the holy God to stand in the presence of us sinful human beings. How, how is that possible? 
when we talk about God's presence, there's a couple of aspects to it. And there's a real positive aspect. And we, we, we read about this in the Bible, saying, God, we want you to be present here. I'll give you a couple examples in the Psalms. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. We say that when we, we're coming before the Lord. Did you hear that in our um, confession of sins? We said um, we're coming into the Lord's presence. That's what we say. We want, we're we're going to stand in front of this holy God. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what is God saying? God is saying we, when we ask God to be present, we're becoming more aware. It's more intense. It's more involved. God, we want you to be part of our life so that we recognize you're there. And, and that happens with human beings, right? There's human beings that you act differently around when they're in your presence. Your kids. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. This joke. Uh, there's different people that you act. So like even at a gym, and I'll give you an example. There's one trainer at our gym named Kirk. So John knows Kirk. Kirk is the greatest trainer of all time. Like all the other trainers, I just do my thing. But when Kirk is there, he like somehow convinces me to work so hard that I'm sore for like a week. Like when he's, and I said that to Amy, I'm like, yeah, Kirk's pretty good. And she's like, oh, I always work harder for Kirk. Like we don't know what it is, but just being in his presence convinces you. Now just put this on God's perspective. You want God to be in your presence. Does that change the way that you look at things? Does it change the way that you talk and the way that you act? So in a very, in a negative way, there's a sense of fear and terror that this holy God is in our God, come into our presence and look at the way I look and, and act and how I use my gifts. God, I want you to see this. But then in a very comforting way, there's nothing more comforting to know that God is right by you. When I was a kid and I'd be scared and I would yell for my parents. It's not very comforting for your parents to yell from the other room, yeah, we're around. <laughs> we're close by. It, it, it's something different when they embrace you and that's kind of the beauty of what God says when we're in his presence. You sense this, you feel this. There's an intensity that says, God, I am by you. I'm not leaving you. I love you. I cherish you. And if you have any doubt, we have communion that God says physically take this body and blood so that you have no doubt that my grace is here. There's another aspect to God's love that says, regardless of our recognizing it, there's still something that happens when God shows up. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool. He says the earth should tremble because when God shows up, things happen. And that's essentially what happens. When God shows up, things happen. You just think about Jesus' birth. He shows up, the angels recognize that there's something happening here, that God is walking on this earth. And what happens when Jesus dies on the cross? Something happens. There's an earthquake, and the, the curtain splits because something cosmic is happening and something is being changed. So think about this prayer. God, I want you to come into our presence. Next time you say this as a family, and, and ironically, you probably won't say it for Thanksgiving because people say a special prayer on Thanksgiving, but God, we want you to stand in our presence and we want to ask you something. God, this is what we want you to ask. Let these gifts to us be blessed. There's a recognition just in the short prayer that every single thing that we have comes from God. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, it says in the Psalms, or in James, it says every good and perfect gift comes from above. We're saying, God, as you stand in our presence, we want to ask you something. Can you, first of all, we recognize everything we have here is from you. And we want these gifts to be a blessing. So it's two different things. It's two different things. One is to recognize a gift. Are all gifts good? No, not all gifts are good. How many of you have gotten lousy gifts? I've gotten all kinds of lousy gifts from Kerplunk and uh, soap on a rope for my grandma when I was like in third grade. I'm like, thanks. 
soap on a rope, just don't want to drop that, you know, like, and it was brute, brute brand soap on a rope, so, like, if you can imagine, if you're in third grade, you want to kind of smell musky, you know, like, like it sat on the shelf in the same box and probably got re-gifted, you know, five years later, so that was not a good gift, you think about the worst gifts of all time, and what are some of the worst gifts you've gotten, right, I, I looked at Reader's Digest, people's list of worst gifts they've gotten, uh, one lady said she got a Christmas ornament, which is very nice, except she's Jewish, so that's not super nice. One girl had gotten uh, what to expect when you're expecting, except she was in high school and not even dating anyone. That's pretty awkward. Um, so they, they have this whole list, and every one of us has had gifts that are just like gifts of obligation even, right? I like getting flowers. That's nice, because flowers you can just watch die. And you're like, thanks, I remember you. These go away. What happens when someone gives you a plant? That is a gift of obligation. Like, if you really don't like someone, you should give them a plant. You're like, here, take care of this for a while. And you're like, what? And you've seen it even worse, how many uh, struggling teenage relations, got some teenage boys here, you are not allowed to ever give your girlfriend a dog. How many of you have witnessed this where a teenage boy gives the girlfriend a dog and it's like the cutest thing ever? The average person spends $5,000 on their dog in their first three years of life. So you're saying, here, spend money on this animal. This is a gift of obligation. You cannot do that. Then what happens if they break up? It's always these questionable relationships. It's never this super stable one because they would talk about it. Like, a good relationship, should we get an animal in our life? No, they give them a dog. What do you do when you break up? You change the name of the dog to, like, disappointment? I mean, like, like every time you see the dog, like, at least you're still around. <laughs> like, I don't, do not do that. Do not do this. But I, that's even lousy gifts. That's lousy gifts. Sometimes, um, and, and when you talk about your life, we don't think of it, we don't think in terms that God has given us lousy gifts. And so when you sit down at your meal, and this is what I want you to think about, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. You're going to be in our presence. We want to feel your presence and know it intensely. And when we're straying away from you, know that. And when we're going close to you, we want to feel that. But let these gifts to us be blessed. God has given each of you, and we talked about that, different blessings. He's given you different abilities. He's given you different um, incomes and houses and stuff. And when you think about all the stuff that God has given you, this is your prayer. God, this is just from you. How do I make this a blessing? How can I be blessed by this? And we had that same list last week as we talk about pursuits. Just because time, we're going to move. Is this gift that God has given you bringing you closer to God? Is this pursuit we had last week, is it bringing you closer to your family? Is this thing, um, is it bringing honor to God? And could I give it up? Let's just focus on the first three because I think it focuses on your gifts. God has given you the ability to produce work. Is that bringing you closer to God, the work that you've chosen to do? Is the, God has given you that blessing, but is that now a blessing to you? God has given you money. And you say, God, this is all from you. I couldn't do this. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't have the bank accounts. Is, are you using the gift that God has given you to be a blessing? Are you spending your money in different ways that are pulling you farther from God? Are you spending your money that brings your calamity closer to you and closer to God? Is the way that you're using the stuff you have, your job, your car, your movie, your internet, your money, is that giving praise to God or is it doing the opposite? Next time you get to sit down as a family, you got a simple prayer and I, I pray you use this prayer. But say it a lot slower than I say it. God, we're inviting you into our presence. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. 
And may these gifts, not just the food on this table, but all the blessings you've given us, our money and our time and our efforts, may they be a blessing to us. Amen. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for the gifts you've given us. It's so easy to look at our own power and our own strength and think, hey, my own power has done this, just as the Israelite people, but we recognize these gifts are from you. Help us to just contemplate what we're really asking. We're asking for a holy God who can only stand in our presence because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection to be in our presence. And we're asking you a question. We're asking that the gifts that you obviously have given us, this is not the work of our hands, can they be a blessing to us as we go about our life for you? Amen. We have another video. Sandy was willing to make a video this week. Uh, My name is Sandy Hooks, and... um you know, I don't know how long I've been at Eternal Rock. I was going to say 2013. I figured it was a couple of years before he passed away. I didn't grow up in the Lutheran church until I met my husband. When he got around to asking me to marry him, we're like, okay, now what are we going to do? Because we weren't going to church anywhere. And um, we passed this church visiting his parents. And we thought, well, let's stop by there. So um, we stopped in, it was Shepherd of the Valley, and um, it was a Lutheran church. And when I walked in that church and I heard the sermon, it was like a light bulb went off. It's like, I know this. And I remembered um, things that I had memorized from when I was little. What I like about Eternal Rock is that it's, you know, really relaxed environment. With it being a mission congregation, again, it was another opportunity to, you know, help a church get started. When, when Mike passed away, I thought, you know, I need to be giving some of this to God, too. You want God's word to, you know, spread, and so, I mean, you do, you, I mean, you really want to give to church. It's, sometimes it's a struggle, but you just have to... I mean, you just start. Giving has to come, it has to come from the heart. You have to want to give because if it's, if you feel like you have to give or it's just your job to give, then, I mean, there's no joy in that. And I don't think there's any joy for God in that, you know, because, I mean, he wants you to be a cheerful giver. I've never had any problem with whatever I've given, I mean, God just takes care of you, and I don't think you even miss it. I mean, most people, like, I mean, if they have kids, they've probably started a college fund. Why not do that with the church? I mean, that's even better than sending your kid to college. You're going to eat.